Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Davis, and you are listening to NPR News. Thanks for joining us today. Yes, basketball season is here, and not just for the kids in your life on school teams and youth leagues, but for the pros in the NBA, too. Lots of young people dream of going pro and becoming a professional athlete and acquiring the fame and the fortune that goes with it. But very few do. For the talented and determined ones who make it to the top, they have the unique opportunity to share their stories and share their wealth with people in need. They also have the ability to use their platforms to shed light on social justice issues. This hour, we're going to talk about the culture of basketball and hear about the ways NBA players, including our own Minnesota Timberwolves, as well as the Minnesota Lynx, are making the world a better place. Let's bring in our first guest. Stephanie Rawlings-Blake is the executive director of the National Basketball Players Association Foundation. Now, the association is the union for professional basketball players in the NBA. And Stephanie oversees the foundation, which distributes millions of dollars in grants to organizations around the world. Stephanie is also a former mayor of Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland. She was in that position from 2010 to 2016. And before that, she was on the Baltimore City Council, becoming the youngest person ever elected to the city council there at the age of 25. She holds a law degree from the University of Maryland. And this Saturday, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake is the keynote speaker at the Minnesota Association of Black Lawyers Scholarship Gala in Minneapolis. Right now, she's joining us from New York City. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm looking forward to talking with you. Thank you for your time. Uh, I will be at the event on Saturday, and I'm looking forward to meeting you and hearing your speech. Uh, Your audience uh, that night will be a a room full of attorneys and law school students. So first of all, I want to know, what what are you going to be talking about when you come here to Minnesota? So the uh, organization is going to be celebrating Black excellence. And I'm excited to uh, talk about that because I'm sure you know... um, all across the country right now, uh, there are voices that are, are trying to suppress our history. Uh, they're trying to rewrite our history. And I think it's important uh, for us to take up the charge and to celebrate uh, what is excellent about our past and what is bright about our future. And that's what I'm going to be talking about. I love that theme. Uh, tell us about the National Basketball Players Association Foundation. That's a mouthful. <laughs> uh, it is a mouthful. <laughs> I, had to, I had to Google that a couple of times, but I've been reading. Uh, tell us about the, the mission of this foundation. So the, it's, uh, the, we are the philanthropic arm of the players union. The bulk of our work is, uh, in our matching grant program. Every active player has access to $25,000 a year in matching grants. So that is our effort to amplify the work that they are doing in the cities where they play and the communities where they grow up. We also have a platform, uh, to help with disaster relief. We also have a youth sports and education uh, platform that we're working with uh, nationwide. And we also have international players that are doing a a wide variety of things that we support. So this work is being done globally. So help me understand this. Uh, The foundation provides matching grants uh, for active players, $25,000 per season. So they just need to identify what they, you know, care about. And then you all match that up to a certain amount? Yep, up to $25,000 for active players. And if you've played for uh, three years or more and you're retired uh, for 
you know, for the rest of your life, you have access to $15,000 a year so in des- matching grants. So describe your role in all of this. What do you do specifically? Are, are you there to, to help inform and, and sort of guide them? Definitely. Uh, we Our team helps uh, with philanthropic coaching. So let's just talk about the matching grants. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I, we, in that case, we I help them if they've identified organizations that they want to support or if they need help identifying organizations that are doing work in the areas that they care about. We do that. We vet those organizations uh, and we work with those organizations to make sure that uh, the the the, the monies that are going to them, the grant monies are being used in the way in which uh, the, the, the player intended in which the organization says that they're um, plan to use the money. And um, you know, it is a way for us to really help with a lot of grassroots organizations. Some, you know, that uh, go ignored would, you know, would go mm-hmm. uh, ignored other than this attention that the players are giving them. And, and Stephanie, have you found do these NBA players, do they want to be engaged in this way? Do they want to be connected to, to, to you know, a, a crisis or a challenge uh, that, you know, they may be able to help in some way? Yes. And that's one of the things that really inspired me when I hear the players talk about the fact that they know many of them have come from challenged environments and they know, but for the support that they were able to get from mentors and from uh, their community, they would not be where they are today. Mm-hmm. So uh, they take it as a, a privilege, an honor, uh, more than a responsibility. You know, they they really um, feel that it is, uh, they want to make a legacy, not just on the court, but off as well. To our listeners, I, I want you to know, as I talk with my guest, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake uh, from the National Basketball Players Association Foundation, I want to hear from you, too. Our phone lines are open. Uh, I want to know, do, do you have a young basketball player in your life? How have you seen the sport influence them? Or if you're not connected to a student athlete, how would you like to see professional athletes and their teams make the world a better place, contribute to their communities? The phone lines are open and here's the number you can call. You can call us at 651-227-6000. Again, that number is 651-227-6000. Or you can call us at 800-242-2828. Stephanie, I want to hear more examples about what NBA players and teams are doing um, outside of basketball that people may not know about. As I looked at the uh, foundation's website, I saw a lot of things. Uh, One example, uh, renovating basketball courts in neighborhoods. So tell us about that and why that is helpful and important to do. You know, when you talk to players, so many of them had their start, got their start, developed their love for the game on their neighborhood court. And, uh, you know, I know from my my previous life in politics that there are so many communities uh, that are struggling with uh, the support of neighborhood uh, basketball courts. And players want to give back. So all across the the country, players are uh, supporting communities by refurbishing basketball courts and working with organizations on the ground that are doing just that. So the next generation of uh, NBA stars uh, can find their inspiration and find their love uh, for the game. But also, you know, for those, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, someone that will end up on the court. Uh, there's so many lessons that are learned on the basketball court, the importance of teamwork, uh, the importance of hard work, development of leadership skills, uh, 
collaboration. All of those things are things that are taught uh, on the basketball court. And those are lessons that, you know, these refurbished courts are uh, helping to teach young people. And I also saw that the um, foundation has teamed up with Team Rubicon, which is a, an, an international non-government organization that specializes in disaster response. So how does this partnership for disaster uh, relief help? And how did that come about? So it came about because one of the, the pillars I saw when I came on board, uh, I saw the uh, foundation was doing work in disaster relief. And as mayor, I had to deal with every imaginable natural disaster. We had an earthquake the first time that one, I think that I don't know if the city has had one uh, before or since, a tornado, derecho, floods. Mm -hmm. Within 24 hours of being sworn in, we had snowmageddon, the back-to-back 100-year blizzards. Uh, I know how important it is to be ready um, when disaster strikes and not after disaster strikes. So I reached out to Team Rubicon, a veteran-led organization that does uh, in their boot, first boots on the ground when disaster strikes. And these veterans who are trained and who want to serve are given the opportunity to do just that when disaster strikes. So we partnered up with them. So we know in the, the cities where our players play, uh, they have a partner that will be first on the ground to respond with resources to help aid uh, to bring cities back together after a disaster. And, you know, I when you come to Minnesota, uh, I know that you're going to be uh, meeting with the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, their their leadership and maybe some of the players. And so let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves and the team's impact on our communities here in Minnesota and worldwide. Um, when, when you come to meet with the Timberwolves, Stephanie, uh, what do you plan to talk to them about? Uh, one of the first things I want to talk about is making sure the players... Uh, all understand the importance of participating in the matching grant program because they are leaving dollars on the table that could go to great use in their community. And also I want to talk about the, the ways in which the players are um, engaged. The, the current roster um, contributes to um, giving young people in the community access to sports, court refurbishment, uh, supports literacy enhancement, uh, grassroots basketball programs, nutrition uh, security, food insecurity, lots of youth sports and youth sports development. Uh, I want to know how we can work together to increase the amount of money that are, is going to those areas. Right now, it's a little over $130,000 that's coming to the community through the matching grants. And I know that uh, we can do a lot more. That's excellent. Um, I have another guest, uh, Stephanie, ready to join the conversation. He's here in the studio with me. True Pettigrew is the chief impact officer for the Minnesota Timberwolves and for the Minnesota Lynx. Good morning to you, True. Good morning. Good morning, Angela. How are you? I'm doing well. Okay, so I'm doing my research. The Timberwolves play tonight. Yes, we do. (laughs) Yes, on the road playing uh, the Golden State Warriors tonight. Uh, The T-Wolves have won six games in a row. So I got to start with that for our our Wolves fans. Uh, What's up with that? This winning streak. Hey, we we ready. You ready? We, we we came to the season ready to go, ready to play basketball. All right. So tell me about your job. What does it mean to be the the chief impact officer? I like that title. But for these two teams, what do you do? Well, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. So that essentially encompasses the responsibility of all of our diversity and inclusion strategies across all all four franchises, our community engagement and social responsibility. 
as well as working with the executive director of our in-house foundation for all of our philanthropic giving. Mm. And so we uh, are hearing from Stephanie Rawlings-Blake. And Stephanie, I should mention, I don't think you and True have met before. True is also from Baltimore. Did you know that? I did not know that. I I knew you were from Baltimore. I'm excited. That's one of the reasons of many that I was excited to meet with you. So I want I wanted to share that with you too. That you're both about. You can't just drop that on me. I'm just letting you know. Where did you grow up, True? Uh, What's what? See, see now. You know when you ask a Baltimorean that question, right? You know you you can't see me, but my chest is poked out a little bit, right? You know West Baltimore Park Heights. All right. Right, right around the corner. Oh my goodness, this is wonderful. Yeah, so yeah. I'm excited you guys have this energy because now I want to talk about this meeting y'all about to have <laughs> to get these Wolves players involved in community impact. So yes. uh, Stephanie's describing um, the foundation, the matching grants that are available, the education and the support that that she's trying to provide, uh, helping players to understand, like identify something and let's do this because there's need. So uh, True, tell us, uh, you know, what do maybe our listeners not know about what the Minnesota uh, Timberwolves have already contributed to communities throughout our state? No, absolutely. We have an initiative that we call through our in-house nonprofit, the Minnesota Fast Break Foundation. I've right? heard of it, yes. You, you, see, you see what we did there, right? right. Fast Break Foundation. Okay. got yeah. it. But But there's more. And so we have what we call our starting five. We identify five grant recipients that we're going to support um, with our time, talent, and treasure. And we extend those cohorts over, uh, partner with those cohorts over a period of four years. And so we just launched our new starting five, which is inclusive of the Special Olympics Minnesota, uh, Twin Cities Pride, an organization called A Mother's Love, Playworks, and Youth Link. And we issue each of those organizations uh, a $25,000 grant per year, unrestricted, for four years. So it's uh, $100,000 for each organization over the period of four years. And then we come alongside them and program with the things that they want to accomplish in the community because they're already doing such phenomenal work in Mm -hmm. the community. We want to build bridges of connectivity across those different organizations so that they can help support and amplify each other's work and then get our players involved, get our staff members involved to uh, show up and help figure out how we can help amplify the work that they're doing as well. So the question I asked Stephanie, do you I mean, you know, some of these players personally, do they want to be involved? Do they want that community engagement? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You look at somebody like a like a Carl Anthony Towns who is uh, on the, the board of the NBA Social Justice Coalition, right? And I'm sure, Stephanie, you're familiar with the, you know, James and, and that crew over there with the NBA Social Justice Coalition. And just recently here in the state of Minnesota, the Restore the Vote bill was passed into law yes. to help those that were previously incarcerated who lost their right to right. vote. Restoring right. The, the right to vote restored to felons their right, sooner than later. Restored their right mm-hmm. to vote. And the it's estimated over 55,000 have now received mm-hmm. the right to vote. And Carl was very active in that. And I'll pack the vote initiative where we encourage people to vote. We just did a uh, an event at uh, All Square where Carl was one of the panelists to help increase awareness so that people who had previously lost their right to vote can understand they now have the right to vote. But we have many uh, other players, too. You heard Stephanie talk about nutrition programs that could, you know, get more funding, uh, refurbishing uh, courts in, in communities. Uh, would that be of interest? Is that something you would like to see more players get involved in? 
Oh, absolutely. And we and to give a, a shout out to one of our corporate partners, we partner with um, U.S. Bank for a program called Our Courts, Our Future. And Rudy Gobert and Rachel Bannum from the Lynx were just recently a part of refurbishing a court at Hospitality House over in North Minneapolis, where that court had not been refurbished. I had one of our security members who I don't think he's around 40, who said he grew up in Hospitality House. Mm-hmm. And it was shocking to me when he told me, he said, true. This is the first time this court has been refurbished since he's been a young kid growing up in that community. When I look at all the different sports, um, I think why basketball is one of the sports that's near and dear to my heart is has to do with access. Because mm-hmm. so many re- sports require so much equipment and so much travel, so many resources, financial resources that many families don't have access to. But when I think about basketball, I think about you know, again, these courts and, and, and rec centers and neighborhoods and, you know, you need a ball and a hoop. And so can you talk about, you know, when we think about the culture of basketball, what do you see there in like in, 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 in young children and, and people growing up having exposure to the sport? True. Well, I think the exposure is, is key, right, that you talked about. I, I think it provides us what I would say access, uh, connection and, and transformation. Right now, I could categorize it into those three things. It provides access to people, places, and things that you probably never would have had access to prior to that, then it allows you to connect with different people from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to transform your your vision, your dream, your expectations of what's even possible, you know, because of that access and connection that, that you receive. You're connecting with people from all walks of life. One of the things I love about basketball is the camaraderie that it brings. It helps you to recognize, wow, yeah, we have differences, but those differences are a beautiful thing because we can come together and complement one another so well to achieve something greater. When I think we've allowed these seeds of division in our society to create so much separation, I think the sport of basketball says, oh, wow, you're good at this. I'm good at this. You can do this and you can do I can do that. But when we bring it together, we can create this 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 beautiful uh, tapestry of, 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 of love and achievement and accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things I love about basketball. And it gives you discipline. It gives you focus. It gives you a sense of uh, understanding how to overcome adversity, right? And it, there's so many lessons in the game of basketball that I, I've learned and that I see our players learning on, an, on a daily basis. Uh, we've got listeners on hold uh, uh, calling in. I want you to stay there for a moment. But I, I, Stephanie, I need to ask you about this, this same question, this culture of basketball. And when uh, I think of, that, of it and how it's different maybe from some other sports, uh, how do you describe the culture of basketball and what makes this sport distinct in so many ways, even for the youngest players? When I, when I think about the culture of basketball, I think about the fact that, you know, globally, uh, basketball players are emulated probably more than any sports figures around. And they're emulated because people recognize not just that they're elite athletes, but they're style makers, they're mm-hmm. impact makers, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that culture, you know, they, they see the artistry of the players coming together on the court, making magic night after night. Um, they see these, you know, Goliaths with egos, everyone knows are huge, <laughs> come together, you know, in, in a way that shows you what's possible. Like, you know, the, like the, the, 
the individuals, like the sum, the team is bigger than the individuals by themselves. And they see that dream come alive every night when the teams take the court. So, you know, it, it is a, it's a culture of excellence. It's a culture of uh, collaboration and teamwork. It's a culture that has devi- uh, defined style, uh, I think, for decades. And, and, and I think the, you know, the best is yet to come when it comes to the, the culture of basketball. I love that you said uh, Goliath. Uh, uh, yeah, really tall people <laughs> typically. But also, you know what I like? Because I'm not an athlete. I just like the cheering. I like the cheering a- aspect. Like what's going on in, 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 you know, in, in the crowd? Uh, that it reminds me, I think if you're a player, like – you know, you you feel that enthusiasm, like in that 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 gym or in that arena, um, the cheering you know, aspect. The, and when you talk about the cheering aspect, I it it warmed my heart when I was at the All Star game and when I was there watching the dunk contest and seeing all of the players. They they were crowding around the court with their camcorder, literal camcorders up. Forget about the phones; <laughs> they had old school camcorders up rooting on the uh, players that were participating like they were like they were their uncles or cousins or it was just so amazing <laughs> mm-hmm. you know when you see them come together and that that brotherhood is so it's it's solid I'm talking uh, with the executive director of the National Basketball Players Association Foundation. This is Stephanie Rawlings-Blake about NBA players and teams giving back to the community. She's headed to Minneapolis this weekend to give a speech at an event and to meet with the Timberwolves. True Pettigrew is also here with us. True is the chief impact officer for the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Lynx. And I want to hear from you, too, our listeners. We're taking your phone calls. What would you what would you like to see professional athletes and their teams do in our communities? Uh, many of them make a lot of money and have a lot of visibility. How can they make your community a better place? Uh, Or if you have a young basketball player in your life, how have you seen the sport help them as a student athlete? Join the conversation. Call us at 651-227-6000 or call us at 800-242-2828. Let's go to the phone lines and talk to some of our listeners right now in Minneapolis. Tommy is on the line. Tommy, thank you for waiting. What do you want to share or, or ask as we talk about basketball? Hey, Angela and Stephanie. And hey, what's going on, my guy? True, oh, man. It was Tommy it was, Mac. Uh, is that Tommy Mac? <laughs> yeah, it's a Tommy Mac. <laughs> what up, fam? Okay. You know, you, know, you know you can't keep me away. You know you can't keep <laughs> okay, me who, away. Who's Tommy Mac? What are you doing, Tommy? So uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Don't Shoot Guns, Shoot Hoops, and um, we are branched in South Minneapolis uh, in the Twin Cities, and we've been uh, just creating safer spaces for young adults to uh, increase their social and emotional skills. Um, being a survivor of gun violence um, and having a love for game, uh, a love for the game of basketball all my life, um, just knew basketball saved lives, and uh, basketball was one of the main ingredients that made me not become a gang member and uh, not, uh, and, and just kept me off the street just long enough uh, to, uh, to to miss the wave. So, um, created my own nonprofit um, that we started off in 2021. And uh, we've been getting support of True and Governor Wass and Mayor uh, Mayor Fry, and it's been it's been awesome. You know, tell me more about this, Tommy, uh, about basketball uh, as a way uh, of saving lives and creating a safer space. Is it because it's it's interactions with 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 other people who may be a positive influence? What do you mean? Yeah. Um. Well, first, you know, when you just think about like at first, I didn't know exactly that 
that's why I was actually saving my life when I was just doing it, right? You just being a kid and you being involved, just going to the local parks, but not knowing you're at the park from 3 p.m. to probably 8 p.m. at night. So not knowing that I was staying off the street and it stopped me from getting to, you know, just as much trouble of being, just not having a place to go to. So using that, and then another thing is uh, basketball is a social emotional sport. You know, you'd be able to relate, uh, release like some stress that you had built up all weekend. Um, and at the same time, you can almost forget about the trauma that you're, you know, that you're in at, at, uh, in your household. So mm-hmm. by, by the time you get done playing this game and you win this championship or you win this trophy, you get to see kids just laughing and smiling and enjoying it, not knowing their friends just died like a week ago or two weeks mm-hmm. ago and things like that. So it lets them escape their trauma. Uh, in so many different ways. And I had to learn it. You know, I, I was just a kid, like I said, I was just a kid that just played basketball. But I didn't know the benefits of it until I started becoming an adult of, wow, and, and, and seeing it uh, be, like, taken away from our youth uh, during the, uh, the, 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 uh, through the pandemic, where, you know, now these kids are having social-emotional uh, problems because they didn't have those outlets to uh, just be a kid, be able just to play basketball. You know, they was taking down rims and they was closing down gyms. Um, so now... So it was important for me to create those safe spaces again for kids just to be a kid. You know, it's just like a family reunion mm-hmm. almost. <laughs> and so, Tommy, when you hear about uh, a foundation like, you know, that, that Stephanie is working with, uh, uh, that True is working with, um, that's trying to create these connections between NBA players and, uh, you know, neighborhood groups, you know, what are your thoughts? What do you want these professional players to know about what they can be doing to help? Oh, man, I feel like we always could do more, man. I feel like one thing in this life that God has showed me is we got enough. You know, we got more than enough um, uh, to give back. Um, one thing that the Boys and Men camp that we just did, we did a Boys and Men camp uh, where for 56 boys that were from high school, ninth grade to 12th grade. And and I just wanted to lead by example of just showing that we have enough, right? So I applied for this grant from the uh, Minnesota uh, Department of Justice, and we uh, got this grant. And in the grant, I put that every kid get a pair of shoes. And I put that every kid get a room and board, and every kid get uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day for for five days, four nights. And and I wanted to do this, and when I did it and we accomplished it, we got 56 kids to have a pair of shoes, and not just no, you know, we had brand-new shoes, Steph Curry's, LeBron James, and Kyrie Irving's. You know, it just showed me is if I can do this at a mm-hmm. 33 years old young man in the inner city that's just getting some grant money, uh, and these guys have millions of money, uh, millions of dollars and things like that. I'm nowhere near close to, you know, what, what these guys are making, even not even a percent. And if I can do this, I know that they can they can do more than they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. and and it's just trying to keep on motivating. But at the same time, me being a local person, I don't expect these celebrities to help my people more than me to uh, me helping my people as well. So I just want to set the bar mm-hmm. by, so when I finally do have a conversation with Anthony Edwards or County Towns, I want to say like, hey, yeah, I did a count. And, I have, and we, we gave our 56 shoes to 56 kids. Right. You know, so now I, I want to motivate them. Like, hey, well, Tommy, hey, I would love Anthony Edwards to say, hey, Tommy, man, hey, uh, hey, I want every kid at your camp to have some Anthony Edwards new, new uh, Adidas, you know, and things like that. And I'm like, okay. Or, hey, Tommy, I want all your guys to have some car into town at your, at your next camp. And see, and that's the motivation that we want to do it. But we live in this world, you got to prove yourself first. So I've just been doing what I do, you know, doing, well, my, me, doing my part. Yeah, tell mm-hmm. me the name again of your organization. My uh, is Don't Shoot Guns, Shoot Hoops. 
All right. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. And thank you for taking the time to call in and share your story with us. I, I really appreciate you, uh, Tommy, there in Minneapolis. Uh, Stephanie, uh, we have uh, soldiers on the ground like Tommy doing the work. What do, what do you think about what he just shared with us? I loved uh, hearing what Tommy had to say. I, I'm a firm believer in supporting grassroots organizations, supporting people on the ground who know the community and know what they need. Now, I think far too far too often, uh, unfortunately, people who have good intentions uh, come into communities and suggest what communities need. Uh, you know, say, "Oh, I've had a dream of opening a." community center, or I've had a dream of opening an, an art center, without that information be informed by the people that they are trying to serve. Um, so when I hear Tommy talk, I hear about his experience. I know that, you know, he is, he is doing the work that is needed in the community. And it, it, it's very inspirational. Mm. And and true, we heard uh, Tommy say that basketball is a, a social and an emotional sport and how uh, for him personally, he was working some things out when he was he was playing. Well, what um what Tommy didn't share and I'm comfortable sharing it because he's he speaks publicly about this. And mm-hmm. I've gotten to know, gotten know, to know Tommy mm-hmm. um, upon arriving. One of the first people I got to meet and he told me about his program. I, I was all in just personally and professionally. I, I was all in from day one. And going to his events and experiencing it and seeing it and seeing that that joy that he's talking about on these young people's faces and seeing the mentorship that takes place and providing that safe space and giving these young young kids something to aspire to, to to receive an award, a a reward for their hard work. It's a beautiful thing to experience and see firsthand. And what what Tommy didn't share is he was a victim of gun violence. Um, multiple gunshots were to the point where he probably should not be here. Not because he was uh, committing any foul play uh, himself, wrong place, wrong time. And after recovering from that, he decided he did not want that to happen to any other young person in our community. So he created this initiative to provide that safe space, to give them a place to go, to, uh, to, 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 to be recreational, to do something that's productive and get guidance and direction from some of the older members of the community to help them avoid the pitfalls of simply just being in the wrong place at the wrong time or getting caught up in a life that would lead them down the wrong path. So shout out to Tommy. Uh, Love love him like a brother. True. Uh, You work for both the Timberwolves and the Lynx. Uh, What can you tell us about our very popular Minnesota Lynx and what you've seen uh, some of those players or or that team do to, to benefit Minnesota? Oh my gosh, the Lynx, prior to even uh, even arriving here in, in the Twin Cities. Meaning you moving here? Moving here. In 2020. Yeah, in 2020. Yep, mm-hmm. I came here in 2020. Um, I had heard about the Lynx and their social justice uh-huh. efforts. Uh-huh. I mean, the Lynx, <laughs> to me, have been synonymous with a winning dynasty, yes. right? The, 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 the four, four banners, four trophies, four rings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also synonymous with social justice. When it wasn't necessarily the popular thing to do and being on the receiving end of some of that critique and resistance and pushback, but standing firm on doing what they believe is right. And so I think anyone who's familiar with the links, that is what comes to mind is how active and intentional they have been about being champions, not just on the court, but off the court in the arena of social justice. 
All right. And then also our opportunities, do you see many of them looking uh, to their hometowns or looking back to ways uh, that some of their neighborhoods could benefit from um, the success that they have had as individuals? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I when I talk to those players, that is a part of who they are. It's a part of their DNA where they live, work and play. And they take Mm -hmm. that literally like where they live here in the Twin Cities during the season. And many of them, when they go back to their respective hometowns where they live there. And where they work, which is here, and play, which is here, they are very intentional about understanding how they could leverage their platform to to make an impact. And whatever their area of interest is, whatever their passions are, whether it's food insecurities, whether it's the unhoused, whether it's just elevating the profile of girls and women's sports, mm-hmm. like they they all or they, they do a really good job of aligning their passions with. Uh, making making a difference and making an impact. Let's take more phone calls from our listeners. Uh, in Duluth, uh, Minnesota, we have Barb on the line. Barb, thank you for waiting. What do you want to uh, ask or tell us about basketball? Good morning. I'm interested in your program this morning. And my suggestion that you're soliciting is that those big teams, the Wolves, and my interest is particularly in the Lynx because I'm a season ticket holder. And I would love to hear about them bringing their road shows to what we used to refer to as outstate Minnesota. Some of the perhaps smaller communities away from the Twin Cities or even some of the larger cities away from the Twin Cities. And I'm thinking of us, Duluth, Rochester, places like that. Um, I have a granddaughter who plays college ball, Mm -hmm. and she's... uh, it, it has taught her a lot, and I think it's just a good experience for for most uh, young people and young women in particular. All right, that's Barbara Duluth. Uh, do we see players? Uh, are there opportunities to create events where uh, uh, professional basketball players go out into you know uh, to schools or to neighborhoods? across the state, even some of the smaller rural communities? No, absolutely. We have our academy department we, where we develop programs with different organizations, existing organizations, whether they're existing basketball programs or whether they're different schools, where we will show up and do clinics mm-hmm. and, and workshops with young athletes. So that, that opportunity definitely does exist. And is it Barb? I think Barb. it's Barb. Mm-hmm. I want to say, say thank you, Barb, for being a Lynx season ticket holder. I appreciate that. <laughs> want to express that gratitude there. But she, she makes a great point. And it's a, it's a big state. And we want to do our best to, because we are called the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. So we want to make sure, and the Minnesota Lynx. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure we do our best to show love across the entire state. Stephanie, let's talk about these uh, young players. And, and, and I know that you're a, a mother. Um, when we think about, you know, many of our listeners may have young athletes in their lives. Um, and the job that, that you have been, been in, what have you... Uh, learned about, um, you know, children who play basketball or the the family members of these basketball members and uh, players and and the memories they have of of being a child playing basketball that's important for us to recognize? I I first have to say I'm just grateful that this um, program is in Minnesota and not in Atlanta where my daughter is a junior at Spelman so she can't hear me talk about her her oh, little yeah. sad basketball we, we career. Won't, we won't tell her. What, 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 happened, what happened to the baby? What happened to her, Stephanie? My daughter is is 5'10". Um, so, you know, when girls grow, they grow early. So she sprouted up and walked onto her middle school 
uh, basketball team because they were convinced <laughs> because of her. She's height. tall. Yeah, no, she got this. <laughs> she was going to. Oh. She was going to be good. Oh my lord! I would tell my <laughs> friends. I said. I said you just can't go to the bathroom because if you go, that might be the two seconds that she's on the court. <laughs> Oh no! I know, uh, but she 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 played with a lot of energy. It was like a lot of vigor, but you know, I don't. She, she that just not was not her thing. But she um she she loved it. She loved the she loved the camaraderie of it. I have a mm-hmm. very social child, so. Uh, but you know, I I have uh, friends that you know whose kids play um, basketball, and you, you just cannot uh, overstate the importance of you know, what kids learn through team sports. There's mm-hmm. so much about life, right? That, you know, you have to learn how to work with people who you didn't choose, right? So these players all get to the, uh, all get on the team through their own, uh, their own efforts, just like mm-hmm. in, a, in a work situation. And you have to figure out in this group, how are you going to work together to win? And that is, uh, these, th- those are highly transferable uh, life skills. And that's why the, the, our youth sports and youth development and youth leadership through sports um, programs that we uh, support at the foundation are so important. Because I said before, this has nothing to do with whether you end up on a uh, one of the uh, 30 teams. This is about uh, whether you are able to develop skills that will help you be successful in life. Tell me a little bit about the younger players in the league and the opportunities you've had to meet with them and their their um, you know their interactions with their family members. Um, what are they doing uh, to give back? Because I imagine that they are making more money than than any previous generation. But you know, uh, do they also seem connected to their communities? They're definitely connected with their communities. Um, but you know, part of my job is to help them see the pathway to having impact. So right now, um, my goal is to make sure that every rookie in the in the current class participates in the matching grant program, so they develop a, a, a history and a a practice of giving and a practice of understanding um, what having an impact means. And these players, you know, when I, I met with the players, I met with their families, um, particularly the the family members, have a lot of ideas about how. Uh, the the players can show up in their community. So it's it's about working with them to uh, take that idea, that vision, and turn it into reality. I hosted a certificate program uh, in September at UCLA called the Business of Giving, and mm-hmm. that program was for players and uh, their families and the and and their the managers that help them with their uh, off the court activities. And we talked about best practices when it comes to um, philanthropy, philanthropy. We talked about how to make meaningful partnerships with organizations that are doing the work on the ground, social impact investing, the importance and the power of telling your own story. Uh, we talked about the international work that's being done. You know, it, it was exhilarating to see, uh, how engaged the players are and the, the the players and their families are with learning how to do better 
um, in their community. And Stephanie, we have a written question here from uh, Chris in Minneapolis. Uh, Chris writes, what percentage of players participate in the matching grant that Stephanie is talking about? So earlier in the conversation, you, you said that the foundation provides matching grants for active players of $25,000 per season um, and retired players uh, get up to $15,000. Uh, how, so how many players are actually taking advantage of this? In, in Until it's 100%, it's not enough. Uh, but I will say, <laughs> but with the Timberwolves, almost half of them uh, have participated over the past five years. So that's, that is a good uh, statistic when you line them up with uh, other teams. But I, I know that we can do more. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I want to be responsible for closing the gap between when a player says that they're interested in um, participating and then getting them across the finish line and actually uh, taking advantage of the, the grant. Mm-hmm. And so part of it, too, is education, the awareness and then understanding like, oh, we can we can actually step by step help you with this. Um, so, Absolutely. So true when you hear Timberwolves, 50 percent roughly participation in a matching grant um, from the foundation. Uh, I'm looking at your face that you don't seem happy. <laughs> well, no, I am. Um, it, it's it's bittersweet, right? Because right. Well, one data point that I am proud of and I want to support Stephanie, partner with Stephanie and work with Stephanie to increase that percentage mm-hmm. for our organization. Uh, but we have a program internally called PAC Gives Back, right? So it's the, the Wolves, it's a PAC, right? PAC, PAC Gives Back. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very encouraged and excited and proud that we have 100% participation from our players and our PAC Gives Back program where it's about offering tickets for kids where they um, offer a certain dollar amount that would allow a certain amount of kids to come to a game. And we have 100% participation from our players that want to make sure that they leverage their position and their, their opportunity to allow kids who may not otherwise get a chance to experience an NBA game. So we have 100% participation in our Pack Gives Back program, something I'm extremely proud of. But Stephanie, I really want to work with you, support you, and partner with you to uh, get us up to 100% with the work that you're doing. Let's take a phone call uh, from Brooklyn Park. Grace is on the phone. Good morning, Grace. Thank you for calling in and what you want to ask or share as we talk about basketball. Good morning. Um, I'm a mother of a seven-year-old boy who is aspiring to be a professional basketball player when he grows up, um, as well as being an educator to students in marginalized communities who also aspire to be professional basketball players. And I'm wondering what the exposure is to those students and young children um, for other opportunities that are not professional basketball players but can still be involved within the professional sports. Like a basketball camp? Like a camp or something? Um, Well, if they want to be like a professional sports trainer or something that um, is maybe not professional uh, basketball player and other avenues for them to still be a part of the organization um, or just um, exposure to different uh, careers within the NBA. Oh, great question. And and what is your seven-year-old? What's his name? Isaac. Isaac. Okay. Some career advice for young Isaac, true? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And we want to get to that age level. Um, What's the caller's name again? Grace. Grace. Thank you for that question, Grace. And we want to get to that age level for young Isaac. Uh, I have an 11-year-old son myself, but we developed a program called the Career Development Training Camp specifically for that reason. And we do that in partnership with one of our corporate partners, Pentair. So I really want to show love to Pentair for their support of this initiative. And it's 
specifically for that reason that so many young people don't understand the career opportunities that exist in sports beyond being a player or beyond being a coach. And if you have a dream of doing something, whether it is marketing, whether it's legal, whether it's finance, whether it's HR, whether it's content creation, you can do that in sports. You can mm-hmm. do that in basketball. So many young people don't understand that. And that's why we created the career development training camp where we bring people in. It's a symposium that helps them understand all the career opportunities that exist in sports. Now, we, we do speaking engagements, Grace, at the um elementary school level, but the career development training camp as it stands today uh, exists for high school and college students. But we do want to extend that to 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 the babies as well. And Stephanie, you left a career in politics to work for the the foundation. And and why did you make that choice? What's the connection between uh, your passion for what you were doing in politics to what you're doing now? My passion for uh, elected office was a passion for service. It was about using my skills and my talents to improve my community. And when I saw, particularly uh, when the players were in the bubble, and we know, we all saw what happened. Mm -hmm. We saw how they impacted the the presidential election. We Mm -hmm. saw how they were able to it really changed the course of history because they decided to care and decided to do something about it. Like that's what motivated me to want to uh, partner with them and to be a part of this work because uh, I, I know from experience, uh, you know, young people aren't looking to politicians as their role models these days. They're not looking to religious leaders in the say, in the way that they were when I was growing up. But who they are looking to is uh, athletes and particularly mm. basketball players. Mm-hmm. And they have a voice and a power that I'm I'm working hard to help them harness for good. Stephanie, we are out of time for the hour, but I, I want to thank you for your time with us. And again, uh, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake will be here in uh, Minneapolis this weekend, Saturday, at the Minnesota Association of Black Lawyers Scholarship Gala in Minneapolis, giving the keynote speech on Black excellence. Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, the Executive Director of the National Basketball Players Association Foundation. Pleasure talking with you. Look forward to meeting you this weekend. Also, we have a true pedigree. You've been listening to the chief impact officer for the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Lynx. Give true a call, everybody. <laughs> Be safe, everyone. And we'll talk again tomorrow morning at nine. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.